Rifters, this is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules and haunt your gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwake. And I'm Remy, a player on Riftwake and a Dungeon Master myself. And today we're here to talk to you about tanks, uh, particularly by the gaming definition term, not the armored personnel carrier although i probably could also do a remy's ramble about that type of tank but unfortunately not quite so applicable for this audience i don't think um i do like tanks though kidding aside they're cool uh, anyway so in D terms or rpg terms in general really uh tank is what is, is the defensive character build so a tank is the person who is meant to take the most blows before eventually going down although hopefully they don't go down that's part of the ideas you want your character to live anyway so there are many many ways to build a tank in fifth edition dungeons and dragons so i'm going to be going through a couple of the standard builds and for funsies a couple of non-standard builds because i think that they're swell so first things first we'll go with the classic the icon the fighter so fighter is the class with the most hit points than any other except for the barbarian and they are only equal to the paladin which is another good tank that we'll get to a little later on but a fighter is a character that has all armor and weapon proficiencies in addition to that good amount of hit points so there are a number of ways that i could go through describing all of this and just talking about it but this is going to be just an overview for the most part so i'm going to kind of speed through some of the various builds because if i go through every single feat and magic item that you may want to procure then well i would only have time to go over one build and that's not as helpful even though i would still have fun with it so in general you want your tank to have a couple of things and what's fun about it is that you can actually have a little bit more flexibility than most people will really think about offhand because the goal of the tank is to stay standing and there's a few different ways to do that so first thing is to just have enough hit points to just stay standing so any fighter paladin or barbarian is the advantageous classes for that sake besides just having hit points you also just want to not get hit so that's where things get a little more complicated because that can be either a particularly good ac or armor class which is always just a good thing for a character to have but it could also be in the form of damage mitigation meaning having various abilities to reduce the amount of damage that your character takes and having some combination of those three things hit points ac and damage mitigation in combination is what makes a good tank because even if you have a high level fighter with 200 hit points if he has an ac of 12 he's still gonna get hit a whole lot but if you have you know a wizard where with all of the feats to get heavy armor proficiency so you have a wizard with magical full plate mail 
well, that's still not going to help them if they only have, you know, 50 hit points. So to be an effective tank requires a combination of those abilities and traits. So starting with the classic fighter, like I said, uh, actually, sorry, one more tangent yet again before I do that. Sorry. But another important thing to think about is the level. So if you are starting out a campaign at first level, that is a very different build situation than if you're starting at fifth level or if you are even starting at higher up. So if you are starting and having a character that you're going to be playing for a long period of time, then that's obviously different than where you can start out with various abilities and magic items. So I'm going to quickly go through first level tanks, and then we'll go into tanks at higher levels. So a first level fighter will still have full armor proficiency and a decent amount of starting hit points for a level one character. However, no level one character is going to be that tanky. So like I just said a minute ago, even if you do have a very good starting AC, you just don't have the hit points to be an effective tank yet. All characters at low levels, regardless of build, regardless of even if you somehow stumble across a huge amount of gold and magic items at first level, it is still most important to just not put your characters in excessive danger to get hit. If you stand in the midst of, you know, eight enemies, then the sheer action economy is going to kill you. So besides all of the builds and everything else that I can go over, the best way to be a tank is don't be an idiot. Don't put your character in an obviously detrimental situation. Don't, you know, jump off of a high thing as a first level character just to see if you can survive. Because even a, you know, relatively short fall, you know, if you fall off the roof of a tall-ish building and take, you know, 46 damage, that might kill a first level character. That actually has decent odds of killing a first level character. So if you want to have a character survive long term, don't put them in situations where they'll take damage. So now moving on to in situations where they will take damage. So a fighter starting out at level one is not going to have the best armor available because there is particular starting equipment that a character will have access to. So generally speaking, your fighter is probably going to have, for the sake of a tank build, heavy armor and then a weapon and shield. You know, what the weapon actually is doesn't matter. It could be a longsword, it could be a warhammer, it, it doesn't matter for the sake of this. But heavy armor and shield. So they're probably going to have chainmail as their shield. So chain mail will give you a 16 AC. And then the shield, in addition to that, will give you an additional plus two. So a fighter then can potentially have an 18 AC if you have some amount of gold starting out. So your worlds may vary. It depends on what your character build rules are. So you may have a smidge less, you may have a smidge better, but potentially you can have an 18 AC. On the other hand, some something that a lot of people don't think about is the Warlock. I, of course, think about Warlocks all the time because they're my favorite class. This is known. 
But what a lot of people don't think about is the Hexblade subclass, because Warlocks are a class that get to pick their subclass at level one, which is relatively uncommon, actually. But what's nice about the Hexblade in particular is that they have a first-level feature called Hex Warrior that gives them proficiency with medium armor, shields, and martial weapons. So what's very useful for that as a potential tank is the fact that besides their you know, extra proficiencies with that, they also will still have access to magic. So if you have a Hexblade Warlock at level one, the fact that they can get medium armor and shields can be quite beneficial to them. So as a refresher, medium armor can also add some amount of their dexterity modifier. So medium armor typically will add plus two up to your dexterity, or I phrased that badly. So the benefit of the three armor classes in general, I should just talk about armor in general on second thought. Light armor adds your full dexterity modifier to your armor class. So if you've got leather or studded leather, then you will add the number that the armor gives you to your dexterity. So that is why a rogue will have, let's say, studded leather eventually. And then that will give them a 12 plus whatever is their dex mod. So if they've got a 16 dexterity, then that would give a plus three. So they would then have 15 AC. So 12 plus three. So the warlock, or sorry, so medium armor then will let you add up to two points of your dexterity modifier, but the armor itself gives you a higher flat number. So if you have scamel, that is a medium armor that gives you 14 plus some amount of your decks. So again, let's say that same 16 dexterity, that would give a plus three for light armor, but only a plus two for medium armor, because that is the rules of medium armor. However, that is the trade-off. You don't get to add the full dex, but the armor itself is usually better. So studded leather would give you that 15. Scamel gives you 14 plus 2. So that would give you a base uh, 16 AC then for that character. So that 16 is really good for that Hexblade Warlock. Plus, they gain that shield proficiency. So they will also have an 18 AC at first level. And this is with no magic items, no special features, just their armor. As a trade-off, a warlock will not have the amount of hit points that a fighter would. Their hit die is only a d8 compared to the fighter and paladin's d10. So in terms of sheer hit points, the fighter is just gonna be better. But there is, like I said, that trade-off because of a warlock has magic as well. Nathan, are you familiar with a little spell called shield? Um, yes, I actually am. So uh, if I'm not wrong, when you have shield, you can use a reaction to cast shield and it'll give you a plus two to your AC. Close, but not quite. You had all of the effect of it correct, but the number is not. Shield gives you a plus five AC and it does Jeez, that's not. A lot. <laughs> yes. And it does not only affect the triggering attack that you use the reaction against, although it does also do that. It lasts the entire round from when you use it. 
So that means that that a warlock, even at first level, when they only have a single level one spell slot, which gets better over time, but even at first level, that means then that at least for one round, that warlock will have a 23 AC at level one. So it's very true that they do not have the sheer number of hit points that other classes do. But having access to the shield spell, I would argue, can be a pretty effective trade-off for that fact. That is an almost impossible to beat AC at that level. On the other hand, so this is where the damage mitigation side of things comes into play. It does not matter how high your AC is if your enemies use magic against you that require a saving throw. Saving throws are the enemies of creatures with high AC because a creature is generally not going, well, not generally, no creature, period, is good at all saving throws because that is just the way the game is balanced is there are saving throws that you are proficient in and there are saving throws that you are not. If you are a very, very tough armored character, but you have a really shitty dexterity saving throw, well, fireball, fuck you, dead. It is very easy to have a weakness to magic. So now let's move on to one of the other examples of an effective tank. And honestly, in my admittedly biased opinion, I would say may well be the best tank in 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, which is the Totem Warrior Bear Barbarian. Unfortunately, this does not... Excuse me. This does not work right away at level one. You do need to get up to third level, I believe. Yeah, third level for a barbarian to actually pick their subclass. But the totem warrior barbarian with the bear totem spirit is, I will say, the best tank in the game. Because that, well, first off, the Barbarian has a d12 hit die. So a Barbarian will have the most hit points in the game flat out. There is no class that is the equal in sheer hit points to a Barbarian. Then it gets even better. At first level, Barbarians have a feature, Unarmored Defense, which lets them add Instead of just their dexterity to their armor class, they add their constitution modifier as well, not instead of, also. So if you have a barbarian with all three physical stats on the good side, so let's just say you've got something like 14, 14, 14, and then 10, 10, 10 for your mental stats. So you've got a 14 in your strength, dexterity, and constitution. So with all of that together, that would mean, so 14 gives a plus 2 to the stat. So that would make your armor class plus 2 for dexterity, plus 2 for constitution. So that would create a 14 AC character that also has the most hit points. So it is just flat out a lower AC at this level, but more hit points. However, one little detail that a lot of people miss when it comes to barbarians so most people, when playing a Barbarian, think about the offensive side. They want to use that massive two-handed weapon. But a Barbarian doesn't have to. A Barbarian does have proficiency 
with a shield also, which would mean you would get that additional plus two, which would mean that even if, you know, you've got those above average but not exceptional 14s across the board for the physicals, you could still have a 16 AC. So while it's true that that is not as good as the 18 that you could get with a fighter or a warlock, that's still pretty damn good. But there's more. Besides the fact that barbarians do have this unarmored defense feature, they they do still have armor proficiency. So a barbarian can still wear light or medium armor. So even though they don't necessarily start off with, you know, the items, a barbarian can still wear and just buy that same armor as the warlock that I was talking about. So you can still get that 18 AC. They just would lose out on the bonuses that they have when they don't wear armor. But with that tank build, that could be worth it. So that is with mediocre stats. However, that can change. Not to mention, as a character grows, you do get ability score improvements that you can use to change the stats. But there's another option that a lot of people don't think about or take advantage of. There are a number of weapons in the game that are finesse weapons, is how they're referred. So a finesse weapon can use strength or dexterity for their attack rolls. Barbarians actually have quite a number of options that their dexterity improves. A lot of the skills they have access to are dexterity-based, initiative is dexterity-based, and their unarmored defense is their dexterity and their constitution. So constitution is your armor and your hit points as a barbarian. So a barbarian can choose to not be strength-based. You can choose to make a dexterity-based barbarian. And then with the points that you would save if you're going point by, it's actually relatively easy to have a 16 dexterity and constitution. And if you have those stats, then that would mean that even without the armor, you'd have with 16s plus 3 plus 3, 16 plus 2, 18. So even without armor, if you go the dexterity barbarian route, you can easily match the 18 AC with no armor and only just a shield in hand. You can match the AC of a fighter. But if you do continue boosting those stats as you level up, if you put more of your ability score improvements into constitution or dexterity, then that just raises your AC. And if you boost your dex, that would also improve your attack. If you boost your con, that would also improve your hit points. So either angle of that just advances the build, either a little bit more offense, a little bit more defense, a little bit of both. On the other hand, there are some feats that are also very advantageous for a tank. Uh, oh, sorry, I tangented a lot. I'll get to feats in a moment. Uh, one thing that I also did definitely distract myself on was why the Totem Warrior in particular is the way to go for Barbarian. So all that stuff I've talked about until now with Barbarians is just regular Barbarians. 
So any barbarian can be made dex-based and just have a very respectable AC and a number of hit points. But where the totem warrior comes in. So at third level, when you pick the subclass, you get to pick an animal that gives you an additional ability while you're raging. And the bear, the bear totem spirit for the barbarian is <laughs> i mean i would almost say it's one of the more broken things in the game because of how powerful it is while raging you have resistance to all damage except psychic damage spirit of the bear makes you tough enough to stand up to any punishment so that's it the bear gives you resistance to everything except psychic so i was talking before about damage mitigation well there you go you take half damage from everything except for one relatively rare damage type so while it's true you don't want to meet any mind flayers in a dark alley against everything else bear totem barbarians have a massive massive advantage because you can have a decent AC, you can have a large number of hit points, and those hit points are drained at half the usual rate. Except it's not, because it's even better. What a lot of people don't think about is that when there is an odd number, so let's say you take 11 damage, it rounds down when you resist or when damage is halved. So instead of taking that 11 damage, it's 5. So that little extra hit point here and there can very much add up over time to a massive number of total hit points over the life of your barbarian of damage that they just do not take. So that one is definitely my favorite of the tank builds. But just for funsies, I'm now just going to go on another angle of things because damage mitigation, like I said, is also a way to go about it. So one thing that a lot of people don't think about is the good old rogue. So rogues also only have a D8 hit die. So they do not have the same amount of hit points as the beefier type characters. But rogues have other advantages to them. So at level five, rogues gain an ability, uncanny dodge. So every single turn, a rogue can choose to use their reaction to have an attack's damage against them. So every single turn, rogues have that ability to reduce the amount of damage that they take. So it's true that they just don't have the base number of hit points, but if every turn a heavy attack does half damage to them, well, that's a pretty massive advantage for them. But also, a rogue at 7th level gains an ability, Evasion, that any time they have to make a dexterity saving throw to avoid an effect, so that could be a trap, that could be a spell, like Fireball, that if they succeed on their dex save, they take no damage at all instead of half. And even if they fail, they will still only take half damage then. So a rogue is the best answer to like a magic heavy game where there's a lot of fireballs flying about. A reasonably leveled rogue can just nope as often as they roll well on their saving throws. So even though they don't have the hit points or even the AC because they also don't have shield proficiency usually, then the rogue's dodge and evasion in combination can actually put them in pretty good stead if you have the right setup. 
So that's like the bases. Oh, uh, also paladins are also on the list, of course, because they also have armor and hit points. But I'll be honest, I just have a little bit of an anti-paladin bias. Just that's just me personally. They make perfectly effective tanks. I just am not as fond of their spell lists. Uh, however, the fact that paladins do have that D10 hit die, much like the fighter and healing magic. So healing magic will give them more effective health over the course of the game because they can heal themselves somewhat or others also in the party does give paladins a pretty massive advantage as a tank. I just don't have as much fun with them, but that is my own personal bias. Uh, the last class that I'll mention is the cleric. Clerics also, much like the rogue, have the D10, uh, D8 hit die, but they also often have heavy armor as long as they're one of the subclasses that gives heavy armor proficiency which is something like half of them so generally speaking there's good odds on a cleric having access to heavy armor and given that a cleric is a full spellcaster, unlike the paladin's half caster it can be very advantageous for a heavy armor cleric to take the tank role because between their healing magic their armor and their decent if not exceptional hit points a cleric can actually make a pretty damn good tank in combat but where a cleric has the advantage there is in their magic so there is the spell shield of faith that they can also cast on themselves to give themselves a magical ongoing plus two to ac as long as they keep that concentration so they will have a lot of extra arrows in their quiver to keep themselves standing between magic and defense and you know who knows what else the cleric of the forge can also get a resistance to fire damage pretty early on so given that fire is one of the more common damage types in the game resistance is something that is hugely beneficial for a tank to get uh, so that can actually lead me to the races. So any race that gives either a constitution boost like dwarves or a damage resistance like fire for tieflings can potentially make a good tank. I will say that if you have a favorite race, that it's less of a big deal if you just want to have a character that you're trying to have fun with. But if you're really going for the munchkin min-maxing of character, then having that extra stat, whether it is like the extra con boost or dexterity boost, if you wanted to make, let's say, an elf dex-based barbarian, then that might be something worth consideration to get that little bit extra squeak into the character. So that is classes and races, but builds can be tweaked by other things in the game, primarily items and then feats. So I talked a bit ago about ability score improvement, helping your stats as you level up. That's just a normal part in the game. But if you are playing a game that does use feats more often, or just at all really, there are a number of feats that are quite beneficial to a potential tank character. So first thing that would come to mind would be tough. Tough is a very simple feat that is just beautiful in effect. However many levels your character has, you know, past and future, doesn't matter, you get two hit points. So if you're a level four character, you get eight hit points and then two additional hit points every single time you level up in the future. If you take it when you're level 12, then you'll get 24 hit points and two more every time you level up in the future. 
It's just whatever your level is, you just gain times two that number and two additional every single level forward. It is never a bad feat for a tank. And honestly, it's never a bad feat for any character. Unless you have a character that somehow is never in combat, that's the only time I would say you may not want feat. But if you're playing a tank, you, you probably will want tough because it's just always useful. Another one that's also good is the Sentinel feat. So a lot of the time, the job of the tank is that you want them to get hit so squishier people in the party don't. So Sentinel is a very good way to make it so that enemies cannot get past you as easily to get to the squishier members of the party. So Sentinel makes it so that even if someone disengages or takes the disengage action, then they still provoke an opportunity attack from you. And when you hit a creature with an opportunity attack, their speed becomes zero for the rest of the turn. So if someone tries to walk past you, you stab them, fuck you, cannot walk. Always particular, always a helpful thing to stop enemies from getting past you. But in addition to that, the Sentinel Feed also makes it so that if a creature that is next to you does make an attack against someone other than you that doesn't have the Sentinel Feed themselves, you can also use your reaction to make a melee weapon attack against them. So even if they do get by you, this gives you another avenue to use your reaction to improve the action economy by doing damage off your turn to the enemy. And after the Sentinel feat, there, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that this can be argued. There are a number of feats that could be potentially useful. You could take the mobile feat to just increase your speed to make you, well, more mobile on the field. You could get one of some of the Armor Master feats out there. So Medium Armor Master is one that I'd say underrated, actually. So it has the effect of making it so that medium armor does not disadvantage your stealth checks anymore, which fine, but the other benefit is the big one. So when you wear medium armor, you can add three rather than two to your AC if you have a high dex of 16 or higher. So normally, like I mentioned earlier, you could only add up to two even if you have a higher dex. So this would allow you to basically just get an additional point of AC if you do have that high dexterity. So one point is not a huge deal necessarily, but it's certainly not a bad thing. On the other hand, Heavy Armor Master is another one that is severely underrated. I don't know why more people don't take this one, to be honest. So Heavy Armor Master gives you a plus one to your strength score, which is always nice. But the other effect, when you are wearing heavy armor, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage that you take from non-magical weapons is reduced by three. So all non-magical bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage reduced by three. That is enormous because that is just a flat-out damage reduction by feet. So if you are facing a lot of weak enemies, that can massively reduce the amount of damage that the character takes. All right, and there's also magic items that can be very, very beneficial for a tank. So the easiest one would be the Cloak of Protection, which is an uncommon item. So in theory, relatively available in the world that just gives plus one AC 
and plus one to all saving throws, which is honestly useful for any character, but particularly for a tank, and especially a tank that may not have great saving throws naturally. Also, there are bracers of defense that, as a rare item, a little harder, but gives a flat plus two to AC. Also, just generally a good thing. Uh, Next one, and probably last one I'll go over for today, the Amulet of Health. Arguably one of the best magic items in the game, period. That amulet just sets your constitution score to 19. So even if you didn't roll particularly well in your stats at the start, you just automatically get a 19 constitution score as long as you are attuned to that item so if you have that on that makes your bonus a plus four so every level that you have that would add plus four hit points so if you start off with a more mediocre score of like a 10 or a 12 that can be a massive difference even at mid game to the total hit points that a character has And like I mentioned earlier, the Bear Totem Barbarian is their dex and con to affect their AC as well. So if you had a Bear Totem Barbarian with an Amulet of Health and just a good dex score, then that would just stack to make them that much more dangerous. And honestly, I can keep going. There are a number, a number of things that can uh, just affect a tanky character. But this is an overview for the most part. So as I said at the start, the main things to making an effective tank character is to find a combination of hit points, AC, and damage mitigation to make the right balance of character for you to make a character that stands tall when all enemies have fallen before you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash riffweekpodcast. Tier start as low as a dollar and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind the scenes content, only access to episodes, access to the Patreon Discord where you will chat with the cast, and even a shout out on the show. Find us on social media on Twitter at riffweekpodcast on Facebook as Riffwake and on Reddit on the subreddit r slash Podcast. And now send us an email, r- fuck, and now send us an email riffsandrules at gmail.com. That's riffs, A-N-D, rules at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.